The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. Good morning. Usually at a time like this, it would be uh, natural for a, a preacher who you do not know, have no idea the connection he has with your pastor to talk about your pastor and things about him and and that sort of thing, but I just think that would be inappropriate because right now the focus is on Jesus. As we were led in music and I was standing there and just loving the Lord. And so I'm just going to start preaching and you're going to have to find out about me and Scott and me some other way. I did not know what, well, I thought I was going to preach when I first, he first asked me a month ago, I thought, okay, I think I'm going to preach on Soli Deo Gloria because I preached through the, the five solas for Reformation celebration through October. And I particularly like the last one because if you don't have that one, you, you've blown it. <laughs> you can have the grace and the scripture and the faith in Christ alone and all of that. But if it's not for the glory of God, then, then you, you've struck out anyway. But then, so then I thought, you know, I'm just going to, and I don't want to be distracted because I just, my mind's on what I preached this morning in my church at St. John's. And, and so, you know, I don't want to, I'm not smart enough just to switch over to another sermon. So I thought, I'm going to preach what I'm preaching, you know, I preached at my church. And I've been going through the Gospel of John. You can turn to chapter 10 if you like. And um, since last year we've been going through John, it's been a, a blessing and in John chapter 10, you see the first part is about uh, Jesus saying, I am the door of the sheep. And then he, the next section is, I am the good shepherd. And this morning, I preached on just the good shepherd's sheep. And so anyway, one of my points is that we're satisfied as his sheep. And we were singing that song about being satisfied. And I thought, yes, Lord, I knew this is what I'm supposed to preach. And so I'm glad to be here today to, to preach God's word. Um, it begins with uh, the Feast of the Dedication in verse 22. Um, in December, I think it's the 12th through the 20th of this year, our Jewish friends will be celebrating what they call Hanukkah. Well, that is the Feast of the Dedication. You see, in the intertestamental period between the final book in the Old Testament, Malachi, and the first book in the New, Matthew, those 400 years, there was a, it's called the intratestamental period, and some things went on, a lot of history in 400 years, and one of them was that the temple was uh, desecrated and defiled by the Seleucids who came in and just did all kinds of terrible things in the temple, and of course they ruled, and, and um, it was just not a good time for the, the Jewish uh, nation. So then the Maccabeans rose up and they threw him out and they came in and rededicated the temple. That, therefore, it's the Feast of the Dedication. They've been celebrating this for since that time. Sometimes it was called the Feast of the Maccabees, the Festival of the Lights. Uh, here's the, the Feast of the Dedication, but it's also now called Hanukkah. So it's kind of neat that we're, we're right here in, in verse 22 of chapter 10, and it's, uh, we're, they're about to, to celebrate Hanukkah. So anyway, let's read this together and see what the Lord would have for us this morning. 
At that time, the feast of the dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Lord, would you bless the reading of your word, the preaching of your word, speak to every heart. Begin with mine. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I want to talk about the, the good shepherd's sheep. The first parts of this text, of this chapter about the, the door of the sheep and the good shepherd. Now it's kind of, a, what are the sheep like? The good shepherd's sheep. And the first thing I see here is that they're satisfied. And there's three reasons why they're satisfied. First, they listen to him. He has said this over and over again in this chapter. In verse 3, he said, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. In verse 16, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice. And then he says in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. We are satisfied because we hear his voice. Now, I know on this earth, there are certain voices, one in particular that is so dear to me, I kind of perk up when I hear that voice, and that is of my dear wife. Susie, she couldn't be with me here today. She, if she was, she might kind of smile a little bit because she knows, like most husbands, I don't always listen to her voice. Any husbands, any uh, wives, can you testify? Yeah. Uh, it could work both ways. It's true. But at the same time, it is true. When she calls and I answer the phone myself and I hear her voice, there's just something about it sweet. And isn't it amazing that she's right, that's... So many times I don't listen. And isn't it the same with us and our Lord Jesus? Sweetest voice, still a small voice that he speaks to us, and yet we don't always listen. One of the saddest passages in all of Scripture is found in Acts chapter 7. Stephen has given his testimony. And they are, they've heard it, and they've heard enough, and they're ready to stone him. And this is what happens. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick. And they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Spirit, he gazed intensely into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened it up and the Son of Man standing by the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. And when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. 
Can you imagine? They covered their ears. They acted like children. Have you ever seen children just kind of, they don't want to hear you? They go, ah, da, 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 and just make all this racket, you know? That's what they were doing. They're just gnashing their teeth, crying out, covering their ears. They did not want to hear another word out of Stephen. And I wonder, in my own life, those times when I do not take the time, have not taken the time just to sit at the feet of Jesus with my Bible in my hand, reading his word, and I've not allowed his voice to speak to me. God does still speak. It's not, mostly it's not in an audible voice. A red flag goes up if someone says, you know, oh, you know, every day God just speaks to me over and over and over again. Uh, that's not normal. But the answer, I've heard him as a normal voice. I could tell you a story. I was in a van going somewhere, and I heard, I heard God just tell me, go home. Your crate is there. We were missionaries in South America, and I had, didn't even think about a crate that we had packed up and was going to be shipped here, and, and, and God just told me to go home. And I got there, and Susie was standing there, and she said, I'm so glad you came because I've been praying for you to come. And God just told me to go. Other times it's too, but most of the time it's just in a still, quiet voice, and it doesn't even sound like his voice. A lot of times it sounds like our own, but it's not. It's his, as we're in his word. But those sheep that are most satisfied in the shepherd are those that listen to his voice, who take the time to listen. We don't cover our ears, gnash our teeth, certainly. We don't ignore him. We want to hear a word from the Savior. And he speaks to us through his word. Do you listen? We're also satisfied with the shepherd, not just by listening to him, but also because we have a relationship with him. It says here, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. He knows us. He knows you. He knows everything about you inside and out. It's not a superficial relationship that he desires. It's an intimate one, an intimate one. He desires intimacy. That word has been abused so much in our, our sexual crazy culture that people want to just jump into that thought, thinking of the word intimacy. But it's, it's much deeper than that. It's about a relationship with him. In his book, The Seven Levels of Intimacy, Matthew Kelly writes, to be truly intimate with one another, a, a person has to share every aspect of their life with another person. We have to be willing to take off our masks, let down our guards, set aside our pretenses, and talk about who we are and what, what we really are all about. Isn't it amazing how we wear masks? Some of you came into this auditorium wearing a mask. You weren't really thinking about it, but you did. You don't want others to see you just as you are because you're afraid you won't be liked. You know, we, it's, it's an irony. There's an irony in this social media thing we got going. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Some of the most lonely people in the world spend all their time in the social media realm. And they have on masks and they're trying to project somebody they're really not. Or if they do, they leave dissatisfied and hurt because they feel rejected. 
But we have a Savior who knows us, all about us, and he doesn't reject us. We can come to him just as we are. He knows us, and he accepts us and loves us. Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay upon me. Our Savior, the Good Shepherd, knows us, everything about us. There's nothing you can hide. (laughs) Why do we even try to? Why do we even try to make us make ourselves something that we're not? We can be satisfied because we know he knows us in and out, and he loves us anyway. He is not ashamed of you. Let me say that again. He is not ashamed of you. He is happy that he has purchased you with his blood. And he is content in that. He is satisfied. So are you satisfied in him? Because you know him and you're wanting to know him more and more and more. Knowing that he knows you and loves you. Third, are you satisfied in that you follow him? You follow him. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Pretty simple definition of a Christian. Someone who follows Jesus. What does follow mean? You go where someone goes and you do what they do. You go where they go and you do what they do. And this is what we are to do as a sheep. We go wherever he is going and we do whatever he is doing. We want to follow him. A man tells a story of a young lady who was filling out an application for college. And she got to this this question that says, are you a leader? And she knew instinctively that she was not a leader. She was a follower, but she's thinking, you know, if I put no, they're probably not going to accept me, but I'm not going to lie. And I'm, she put follower, thinking, well, that's it. I'm done. A couple weeks later, though, she got this letter. Dear so-and-so, a study of the application forms reveals that this year our college will have 1,452 new leaders. We are accepting you because we feel it is important that they have at least one follower. It's a good thing to be a follower. A follower of Jesus, absolutely. But to be a follower of someone else who is following Jesus. That's what we want our kids to do. They don't know exactly what it means to follow Jesus, but we want them to follow us as we're following Jesus, and they kind of catch on to it. It's a good thing to be following. This was, this was Jesus' message everywhere he went. He kept saying, follow me, follow me. He didn't just come out and said, because they said, why don't you tell us plainly you're the Messiah? Well, he had in his own way, told it very plainly that he was in many different ways, but they couldn't hear because they weren't of his sheep. But this is what he said, Simon and Andrew, 
sees him. He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. There was someone who wanted to bury his father first. He says, let the dead bury their their dead. Come follow me to Levi. He simply said, follow me. That's all he said, follow me. And it says, Levi got up from his table and, and followed him. To his disciples, he said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him take up his cross daily and what? Follow me. He told Philip, John chapter one, follow me. And at the end of the gospel of John, when he's on the beach with Peter, and he says simply to Peter, follow me. Follow me. And so we're satisfied when we're following him. A satisfied sheep is a sheep who is following the shepherd. Are you following him? Have you wandered off a little bit? Even if it's just a little bit, it will lead you further and further away. You'll find that you are less and less satisfied the more you wander off and are not really trying to follow him. But those who are following Jesus, those sheep are satisfied. We're also secure. We're secure. He says in verse 28, and I give eternal life to them. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. There is security as a sheep of the good shepherd. We have a security like no other. the, The security comes from the giver himself that it is God himself who is the giver. He says, I give eternal life. God gives it. So who is this God? Is he a a God who takes back? There's a term, we used to use it when I was a kid, but you can't say it now because it's not politically correct. But we talk about being an Indian giver. Don't be an Indian giver. And an Indian giver, of course, was, was described as someone, you know, he gives you something and then he takes it back. Our God is not like that. He is not like that at all. But let me just as a side tell you, that was not the original meaning of the term Indian giver. The original term was, and I've seen this as a missionary in other places of the world with poorer people. They would have something they have made, some little trinket, and they want to give it to you out of friendship, and they want you to give something in return, and they see this nice shiny silver or gold something you've got, and they want that. And so it became, the term meant they, they're giving you something to get something of greater value. Well, the fact was the Indians had no idea about monetary values. They just wanted to be friends, so they were misunderstood. But that principle still applies about being an Indian giver and, you know, that God isn't that because he doesn't give us something thinking we will give him more in return. Because for one thing, is it even possible? No. The blood of Jesus Christ is the, the greatest, most valuable, priceless commodity in all of heaven and earth. There is nothing greater, which tells us your value. If he gave that for you, in his mind, that means that's what you're worth. You are worth the very blood of his son. And that value is priceless. We have nothing that even begins to compare with the value of the blood of Jesus. So he gives us this gift of eternal life through his son who died on the cross, paid for our sins with his precious blood. And 
what are we going to give that's any better than that? Nothing. Nothing comes close. God is the giver because it is he who gives. He is righteous and he will not go back on his word at all. Romans 11.29, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And that word irrevocable simply means not to be repented of or not to be regretted. So God is never sitting there on his throne just pondering and, you know, did I make a mistake here? I gave eternal life to this. Hmm. They don't look like they appreciate it. I think I'll take it back. They're kind of taking it for granted. I think I'll just take it back. They're trying to earn it. I'll just take it back. Or they think they're really worth it. They're worthy of this gift. Somehow I'm just, I gave it to them as a reward. I think I'll take it back. No. This God is a God who gives irrevocably. And he has given us eternal life and he will not take it back. And here's the thing about this eternal life, which also makes us feel, should make us feel secure. It is eternal by nature. And that is, in this, in this way, when he gives us eternal life, it's not like he gives it, he's, we're going to get it when we die. No, we have it right now. If you're a sheep, the good shepherd, you have eternal life right now. The clock has already started ticking. It's eternal. If he was to remove it, it wouldn't be eternal life anymore. And it's not going to ever cease being eternal. And you have it. It has begun. There is an eternal spark in you already if you're a child of God, a sheep of the good shepherd. And it's not going to die. There was a man who, was, who just discovered he was going to die. And he wrote these words. They're beautiful. He said, I remember a year ago when a doctor told me you have an illness from which you won't recover. I walked out to where I live five miles from Portland, Oregon. And I looked across at that mountain I love. I just buried a good friend of mine beneath a mountain he loved. I looked at the river in which I rejoiced, and I looked at the stately trees that are always God's poetry to my soul. Then in the evening, I looked up into the great sky where God was lighting his lamps, and I said, I may not see you many more times, but mountain, I shall be alive when you are gone. River, I shall be alive when you cease running toward the sea. And stars, I will be alive when you have fallen from your sockets in the great downpulling of the material universe. The fact of the matter is, those who have gone on before are now more alive than they ever were here on earth. But they were alive still. There was an eternal life in them, and it just came to fruition once they crossed that veil. So as our years on this earth progress, I don't see many gray hairs here. I've become one of them. What's left anyway? So our years on this earth progress and physical death seems to become more and more imminent all the time. We can have security that we have eternal life right now. It's already begun. And finally, we have this security 
because of the power of God itself. He says, and I give eternal life to them. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. That which is in God's hand stays in God's hand. He will never cast it out. Jesus told us, I will never leave you or forsake you, never cast you out. And he will never allow anyone to snatch you from his hand. He's all-powerful. No one is able. Blaise Pascal, the famous French mathematician, physicist, inventor, and writer and theologian, he said this, the greatest single distinguishing feature of the omnipotence of God is that our imagination gets lost when thinking about it. We just cannot get our minds to wrap around the awesome power of God. Isaiah 40, verses 12 through 15. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by his span and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure and weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or his, his counselor has informed him? With whom did he consult and who gave him understanding? who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are like a drop in the bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the earth. You take all the power of all the nations on this planet, combine them all together, all their accumulated power, cumulative power, and it's drop in the bucket. It's just non-consequential compared to the power, the awesome power of Almighty God who holds us in the palm of his hand and will not let go. I hope this morning that you are satisfied in the good shepherd. I hope you know that you're a sheep in his fold, that you are secure in that. But here's the thing. The degree to which you hear his voice, you sit with him and speak with him and let him speak with you, the degree to which you do that, the degree to which you develop a relationship with him, taking off your mask and letting him see, he already sees you, but just being you before him and trying to understand him and his ways, developing a relationship with him, the degree to which you do that, the degree to which you just follow him, you look to see what he's up to in this world. And when you see the poor and the needy and the injustice and other things that you know he would involve himself in, if you are willing to do that and to go and to do what he does, you will be satisfied. The most dissatisfied Christians in the world are the ones that have no miraculous power running through their lives day to day. They just have religion. I had religion for 20 years. I was not satisfied with it. I did not become satisfied with Jesus as the good shepherd till I embraced him as my savior, that I needed a savior. And I met him, and he was in that room. I was in my bedroom by myself 20, when I was 20 years old. 
cried out to him, and he was there, and he forgave me and accepted me. And I've known him since. And it's, it's when we step out in faith to follow him, when we do things that we could never do on our own because we're unable, and then he, we see him doing it through us. It's amazing. When I actually love an enemy, you ever loved an enemy before? If you have an enemy in your life, it's so you can love them. And this witness the amazing power of God in your life doing something you could not do. Being willing to go, leave family, to do whatever God wants you to do. Sensing God's presence in your life, you have satisfaction. Otherwise, you just have religion. If you're not trying to hear his voice, if you're not trying to follow him, if you're not trying to get to know him, you just have religion, and there's not much satisfaction in that. And the degree to which you have security is the degree to which you understand and know the God who it is that is giving you this gift of eternal life. What kind of God he is, how righteous and holy he is. And what he says, he does, and he means, and he will fulfill. That you know the nature of this gift that is eternal, it's already in you, and it's just welling out. And he will never let you go because it's impossible for anyone to snatch you out of his hand. Do you have that kind of security? You see, the security that I'm talking about happens when it's all about what he is doing and not what about what I am doing. It's one of the saddest things in the world is to see people, Christians, they call themselves Christians, and they just have no security that they're going to heaven because they keep thinking they have to do more. They forget. They don't understand. Maybe, maybe they never understood. Or at least they've forgotten that when he said it is finished, he meant it. It's all finished. Salvation is finished. I've purchased it. The blood has been spilt. The ransom has been paid. The debt is paid in full. And there's nothing else to do but just to receive. And I don't have to try and earn my salvation by being good and all of this. I just trust in what he has done and who he is. A righteous and holy and loving God who for some reason decided to love me. For some reason, he decided to love you and to choose you and pull you into his flock. If you're a sheep in this flock, are you rejoicing in that? Now, there's a large group here. There could be some goats in this flock. There could even be some wolves. I don't know. I would hope that everyone in here is a sheep. If you've trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ and you know him as the good shepherd, your good shepherd, and you love him and you follow him and you listen to him and you want to get to know him better and you rejoice in your security in him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we are sheep. What an amazing thing. Lord, I know what a goat I was, a wolf. I know how, what a wretch I was. And there was nothing in me that would cause you to look down and say, oh, how cute. Let me save this one. No, I was a wretch. 
And so we're all of us, Lord. We thank you that Jesus is a good shepherd and he loves wretches like us. And he made us sheep, purchased us with his blood. And oh, the privilege to follow him, Lord. Help us to follow him closer, to love him more, to get to know him more, to serve him out of an overflow of his love for us. Not trying to prove anything to you, but simply out of an overflow of gratitude for what you have done for us. Lord, I pray you speak to each and every heart here. Whoever is not satisfied with their religion, Lord, put them into a place where they are satisfied with Jesus. If there's anyone here who's not secure in their salvation, point them to Jesus still and show them that their security lies in him and him and the power of God. Bless Speak to each and every heart. I pray in the strong and sweet name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This time of teaching is brought to you by Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com.